I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses of the red flag. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the political argument that shows that the left and right of the left can get along sometimes. Yeah, um, but only sometimes. We're only sometimes and only because we're very old friends. My name is John Bounds and with me, my comrade Adam Juniper, who was the newest of New Labour, now finds himself outside that big tent. Whoop. He keeps opening the flap. I'm very, to see sim- what's I'm going very sympathetic on. to the tent. Although I have to admit, I do. The rain comes in, you know. A big fan of guy ropes, um, pegs, all that sort of thing. The uh, you're you're not actively attempting to knock it down in the night, leaving us um, wet and soggy in a field. Well, I should be. I mean, I am technically a candidate for another party. Remember? Yes, the Renew Party. We must talk about that the minute it becomes relevant. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to leave that alone in case, in case it does. And I have to go and pay my deposit. We are recording today just after Diane Abbott made history by being the first black person to appear at uh, Prime Minister's Questions, just after Boris Johnson's given what, by all reports, is a pretty nothingy Conservative Party conference speech. Um, so, therefore, just a week after that unexpected um, and seemingly it hasn't achieved anything so far apart from uh, stopping people going on their holidays, Supreme Court verdict. Does it feel like the political earth has moved for you this week, Ad? Well, I, I think if people got the impression that the Supreme Court was ever going to, or that the judgment was ever going to change things dramatically for Brexit or for, you know, the current issues, they may be misunderstood. Because the question they were being asked was actually far more serious than that it was can a government can an executive just shut down parliament if parliament disagrees with it in practical terms if the uh you know if the court decision had gone the other way then any elected government once the uh you know there had been an election and the prime minister came to power he could shut down parliament for all but two weeks of the year because i think they they need parliament to sign through maybe the budget maybe one other thing but it's you know You'd essentially be in a dictatorship. So interestingly, yesterday, the same people, Windmill Boy um, and uh, Jonah Cherry and the guy from Ecotricity, put in a, I forget what it's called, but it's a thing to the um, Court of Session in Scotland, which is essentially asking them to consider what the penalty for Boris or any potential PM not obeying the uh, the Ben Act would be. And they suggested it might include a fine or imprisonment. I mean, you, you're a finer legal mind than me, Ad, but is, is that a usual thing for people to do? Well, I mean, you'd be looking at, you know, contempt of a law. I, I don't know if the law specifies specific penalties. It's kind of a shame that it doesn't, but it may not have got through if it had actually said failure to do this or would be considered a criminal act. It's criminal acts that get you in prison. So this is actually a civil matter, which means Boris's failure to do it would then have to be followed by a court that found his failure was put him in contempt. And at that point, he'd have to go to prison. So essentially the Ben Act would have to be followed up by a trip to court before he could potentially end up in jail. Well, Dominic Cummins has apparently told one of his many little press uh, people he keeps in his pocket that he expects to spend the end of October not decorating the house for a Halloween party, but in court. It's funny you should mention the Halloween because I was trying to think, Boris Johnson costumes must be uh, selling well or at least fairly easy to knock up. 
And now Dominic Cummings is, is quite a scary-looking dude as well. He could easily be a character, given the circumstances. There was a, someone on Twitter, Simon Price, who used to be a, he is a music journalist, great music journalist, um, from the but high, uh, in high profile in the 90s and melody maker, suggested that um, there's a prize for the first uh, photojournalist that gets a shot of Dominic Cummings and Sajid Javid from behind in silhouette at some point, <laughs> just making it look like an alien invasion. Or just some boobs. It's our right, said Fred, are back. The <laughs> absolute right wing, said Fred. Right, 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 said Fred. <laughs> Take Going back to your point, yeah, I think that, you know, if they're following that public strategy of hard or, you know, potential no deal, they need to imply that they're going to have to handle this in court. I, I'm sure that there will be some court decisions. And similarly, I imagine the Supreme Court and the High Court are sort of preparing for some quick decision making. Did you did you also hear? Sorry, um, uh, that the Queen is apparently looking into ways of firing prime ministers. Well, I, I, that was a, a thing that was reported only in the Scottish press, wasn't it? Well, she she hangs around in Scotland a lot, doesn't she? Well, she's in Scotland at the moment, isn't she? So I assume that the um, that could be where the leaks come from. But the the Scottish and English press, even the Scottish and English editions of the same papers, will tell you contradictory stories. Uh, now, because uh, maybe they always did, but we just didn't get to see the papers. We, I think, we always know that there was there's an element of that because the Scottish and English papers' ultimate goal is to make money, and you know, you remember that the Sun announced its uh, enthusiasm for Blair's new Labour not that long before the election, and when it was fairly obvious that Blair was going to win either way, and the Sun definitely didn't want to be seen to be on the wrong side of it. Yeah, so that was in the Scottish papers. I read it a little bit in the in the Scotsman and in the Herald as well. But apparently, this was before the Supreme Court uh, verdict. Uh, the Queen had, had asked the aides to to find out um, whether or not the, the yeah what, what the procedure was, whether she really did have the of the constitutional power. Um, no reports on whether or not she asked them if it was possible to uh, disown Prince Andrew. But um, <laughs> as I said, that's just material for a future uh, future series of that Netflix royal family thing. <laughs> Today, I've seen two quite contradictory things about whether or not they really do want the, the no-deal Brexit. Number one, the uh, supposed rumours that Boris has managed to give another bung to the DUP for supporting his weird border plan. And number two is the obvious frailty when it hits the cold air of reality and the EU of the border plan. So the DUP might say yes to it. The Conservative Party might say yes to it. So in theory, Parliament could still say yes to it, just... If, if I were the DUP, I would say yes to anything Boris was proposing, knowing that it would be politically unworkable in practice, but hope to get hold of the money for showing the loyalty. They want the money up front, right? Wouldn't you? Well, I'd, I'd, want, the, I'd want to see absolutely anything Boris was offering me in complete and utter fault before I got anywhere near it. There's a, there's a video on the Guardian site of Owen Jones wandering around Tory conference pointing a microphone at people and asking them if they trust Boris Johnson. And quite a lot of them say no. <laughs> it's just depressing, isn't it? So the um, Boris Johnson says leave means leave as long as the second half of the sentence isn't leave my inner thigh alone. Well, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say leave means leave anymore. He says get Brexit done which is clearly, obviously tested and works very well for people who think that Brexit is going to magically go away once a Brexit date has been reached. And, of course, prob the problem is, from the liberal intellectual point of view, from the, the centrist point of view, 
people will stop calling it Brexit. And those people will stop reading about the trade talks and discussions, you know, which will then be just trade deal with a foreign power afterwards. So they will genuinely think that Brexit has gone away, even though the hideous effects of Brexit and the economic damage and harm it does, you know, not to mention the long-term cultural harm it does as universities get less linked and we become less travelly and friendly. Well, even on that, even if the getting Brexit done gets the Boris Johnson government over the line in terms of any election or helps them cling to power or, or whatever, that the sort of hey, this is a weird thing. We we won't ask this question, but the idea that you'd have to suspend Parliament for the Tory Party conference now just seems that's consigned to the dustbin of history. That we're never going to do that again. We had a Labour conference where policy after policy, radical policies, possibly quite difficult to implement policies, possibly you might say electorally difficult policies, but radical policy after radical policy was announced and discussed. And yes, we've got a Tory party policy where they've announced absolutely nothing. And uh, the big policy announcement was we're not going to be allowed to keep monkeys as pets. Okay, I don't have. I mean, the only monkey as pet I've ever known of is the one Ross had in Friends, and he was American and fictional. This, I mean, this is true. I mean, there's there's Lord Litchfield has got a lot of animals, but I think he's also got a zoo. If the, the Tories do cling to power in one way or another, and let's face it, the electorate could be stupid enough to do that and the press could make that happen all, all polling rather suggests the electorate is cheerfully stupid enough to do that or the, the electorate is taking a hard look at the horrible choices that they're being presented and going you know what we prefer a strongman lunatic than an incompetent lunatic i don't yeah well i don't see any incompetence or lunacy on the on the left at the moment i saw don't. some phenomenal really really interesting fantastic policies coming out of there it was amazing and if you know um i think in in 1973 tony ben told the the conference that the crisis i'm going to quote this the crisis we inherit when we come to power will be the occasion for fundamental change and not the excuse for postponing it so if Labour do come to power, they are going to do that. They are going to take this crisis and make it the occasion for fundamental change for constitutional reform, for the Green New Deal, for an absolute rebalancing of the way the economy works. And this is a huge opportunity. So, so is that why the Labour Party were trying to like present themselves in the most incompetent and awful manner? Because they're desperate to lose the coming general election to allow five years to develop towards a true British catastrophe. So then they can step in and change things. This is the last general election that it's possible to stop global warming by. This is it. Then I'd like to see, would like to see Corbyn leave or stood down or replaced or whatever you call it, purged. Don't believe the polls. Don't believe polls. Don't believe focus groups. Don't believe them because... They are, by necessity, short-term things that, are, that float on the flotsam and jetsam of our tittle-tattle-biased politics. Own, the only poll you can trust is the one at the ballot box. OK, so we shouldn't worry about it at all until it's too late to worry about it. You can worry. You can look and worry about underlying trends. You can look at and worry and genuinely investigate what people think and try and have didactic 
discussions and look past what people say to the underlying problems that cause what they say and attempt to address them through policy. But you shouldn't worry about that number going up and down on a graph. It's got as much bearing on the general election as the, I don't know, the number on your microwave after you've forgotten to change the clock three or four times. Okay, well, let's look at it. Let's look at it from a different way. Then let's say the Labour. I mean, we always know the Tory conference is effectively a rally. The Labour conference makes makes policy, or at least offers policy, which a sensible leadership will tone down a little bit before an election, because it is, after all, activists rather than mainstream voters. Okay. One of the key policies was the what we will do or not do or what we think about Europe. And what we saw, Labour's own democracy, appeared not to happen. Well, it, it's, but it's let's all move been, on, for, all been forgotten there. I can say it's all been got. But the policy was chosen. And the policy is actually one that uh, Remainers would have been quite happy with a year or so ago. That's the mad thing. And, and has a certain amount of sense. So I, I don't want to get caught on the policy itself. There is an intellectual logic to it. No, no one's arguing that. So you're giving them the referendum that has for long been the basic logic of the people's vote because it's the only way to counter the anti-democratic thing. What we've not seen from anyone is a way of snappily selling the idea of renegotiating for, for the electorate. What do you say on the doorstep? So I think we need to come up with some snappy phrases because we haven't seen anything encouraging from Labour yet. You know, you need to be nearly as quick as get Brexit done. Well, you've got to say something along the lines of let's have a, a real Brexit or a realistic Brexit. Let's he, let, let's go, let's get, let's offer you a real choice of a, let's offer you a real choice. I've thought about this. Go on. And I think the answer everyone's going to have their idea of, of what the win is. So you don't need to worry about the, the real choice or anything like that. People don't want a choice; they want it to go away now. That's the thing. So talking about choice is isn't a vote winner. I think you say winning Brexit for Britain. Even remain is a win because it actually gives us what we want. So everyone can attach themselves to that despite, you know, depending on which version. You're either saying we are going to create a better Brexit that keeps you your jobs or we're going to finally win this thing by just making it go away. Mm -hmm. And I would use that and I'd get behind it and I'd talk about it like that. You've got, I think you've got to, I think the, the fundamental thing, and I had this argument with um, a newspaper political correspondent uh, the other day, that he was suggesting that the idea that Labour or Jeremy Corbyn would stay, would be able to stay neutral or above the fray, I think, in the in a referendum, was nonsense. And I was suggesting that if if asked what your position on the referendum, this hypothetical referendum was. It's perfectly valid to say my position is that it's a referendum and the people should decide. But to do that, you're right. You've got to offer people two competing, distinct, but realistic and not actively harmful options. I mean, and and also speaking as a Remainer, I would want Jeremy Corbyn to be on the other side from me. Is he the man who delivered the man I mean, who de- the man who delivered sixty plus percent of the the Labour voters to uh, your side last time? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not interested in the the Labour voters thing. You know, in a referendum, it's all of the people. And there isn't. I heard an interesting argument on um, the Romaniacs podcast this week that actually, in another referendum, you'll get a very different result. 
not from the polling necessarily, but because people have finally worked out that it's possible their vote matters in a way it doesn't in a representative democracy and the way that, you know, so many people just assumed that they could go out and give David Cameron a bloody nose and the world would carry on being the same. The amount of the amount of times I wish someone just actually would give David Cameron a bloody nose. The man deserves something. The, you've been reading his book. I have. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm about halfway through now. It's very long and it's... He was told to cut about 70,000 words from it. Well, I think the impression I got is that he was politically competent and he knew what he was doing, you know, for quite a long time. And he understood that he was inheriting Blair's legacy in the same way that Blair understood he was inheriting Thatcher's legacy. And they were thinking about it from a very national perspective, not a very party perspective. But later on, you start to realise that sometimes he's weirdly naive. And then... Other, in other stages of the book, you start to find bits which you can really tell have been edited from an earlier draft or from other things as he's watched events happening. You know, he's gone back and he's thrown in a few little extra bits to say, yeah, Boris seemed to be a bit of a knob early on, or, you know, other little references to Gove's character and that kind of thing. And then he also spends a lengthy amount of time justifying his semi-Euroscepticism, you know, and his feeling that there was always going to be a referendum in the end. And we have to admit, Blair did promise one, and that, that might have been the first mistake along that route. Blair promised a lot of things. The, um, the, we can line up all the people who thought that this referendum was a good idea on one side, and then we, you look from uh, the Greens to the Lib Dems to the Tories, and then you, for, you know, can uh, worry which pig was which, as it were. Well, I'm sorry, Blair. Sorry, David. <laughs> the... Um, I was I was so amused to see it next to a, a book about Pepper Pepper Pig in a bestsellers list in Foils. <laughs> I, I can't imagine Foils bestseller list isn't always the same as the Sunday Times one, so I imagine that the store clerk staff might have had some fun with that. They're probably not in the same category on the Sunday Times bestseller lists, are they? I mean, they're both non-fiction, or are they? I've just realised I suggested that Pepper Pig was non-fiction. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I know somebody who thinks it's quite factual. I'm, I used to hate it. I'm coming around to it. I'm coming around to Peppa Pig, actually. It's, um... I like Peppa Pig because I like the voices I hear. You know, there's, um, there's Andy Hamilton and David Mitchell. And... I'm worried about its um, horrible depiction of the gig economy, though, because uh, Mrs. Rabbit, is, she does everything. She must never have time to sleep. So David, so David Cameron, though, he's... He's not said. I mean, he's he's given a lot of interviews, and I've even watched some of them without managing to really say anything. The only things that I really have seen him come out and say was he essentially just he he said. And there's only there are essentially only two things you could say to this if you're David Cameron. You can either say that austerity was a mistake, that it was politically motivated, or you can say that oh no, we should we not only should have done it, but because it didn't work, we should have done it more. And you can guess which way the ham-faced idiot doubled down, can't you? Yeah, he does seem quite enthusiastic about austerity. It's quite interesting because it's, you know, it's justified by some fairly rational statistics early on. And then it gets, you know, uh, then it, then it take, takes a turn. As Alexi Sale said on his um, recent Radio 4 um, series, uh, the idea that the international 
global financial crisis was caused by there being too many libraries in Wolverhampton. It's um... oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a great point. That, that is conflating issues, isn't it? The cri- it's not the crisis. It's once you've hit the crisis and once you've, you know, be, be fair to Cameron. He inherited that and he inherited the debt. And the debt is a cost, you know. And the the debt's got worse. If you stop paying your credit cards, the debt goes up. But then things do get worse. Government is levers, isn't it? Things don't happen straight away. David Cameron also got to ponce around looking like he won the Olympics, but that was Tony Blair. (laughs) And even at that point, that those... um... Do you remember that everybody, oh, let's go back to the Olympics? Do you remember? The only reason I want to go back to the Olympics is that the face on... George Osborne when he was roundly booed. Yeah, well, that, uh, yes, because it was it was just after his uh, disaster budget, wasn't it, with the pasties? Well, not yeah, but it's there are there are horrible bunch of bastards, and this lot are obviously no better. They're in many ways worse. And the um, interesting thing, I'll tell you is... what, though, he, he was not pro referendum. <laughs> The interesting thing is that our uh, that at that option pod on Twitter, Twitter World Cup of the worst Tories ever, is really um, it's hotting up now. We're just about on the last quarter final at the moment. It's um, David Cameron versus Priti Patel in the last quarter final. It'll be over by the time you you hear this, but the, it will make a semi final um, of Margaret Thatcher, Mark Francois. Um, and the, the it's a, apart from Thatcher, that just seems to be the only sort of how we say retro Tory cutting through. Um, Johnson beat Reese Mogg, but that was quite a close run thing. And we will end up with, um, I think, probably Cameron will get through. Probably. I mean, it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? I mean, you feel like it was sort of like the, the face of the not terrible Tories, you know the. Gay marriage, uh, attempts to liberalise the party, um, dealing with a coalition from their point of view. They, obviously, they didn't want because they wanted to have won. But, but on the other hand, you know, now we just can't forgive him for the things that he actually are did. unforgivable. Yeah, all <laughs> of them. Austerity is how Tories deal with that sort of thing, uh, and we don't forgive um, them for it. But and and for sure, but. Is austerity the worst bit, or is the referendum the worst bit? Or is it the pig, which does not show up other than a brief denial early on in the book, very disappointingly. Just after we we did our last recording, a embarrassed Prime Minister stood up and said we should honour the memory of Remain campaigner Joe Cox by having Brexit as quickly as possible, which is a bit like suggesting we should be honouring Anne Frank by nuking Israel. It's, I, think it's um, a, I, think, I think there are ways in which... I don't know. I, th- I thought that the, the reaction to that was expected, but possibly over-egged. And obviously lots of the people are, lots of people are really sensitive about that, and which, and, which and rightly so. The, the Joe Cox, or the yeah, yeah, um, Joe, no. Well, lots of people. Are, I mean, lots of people are very sensitive about nuclear weapons. I know people on your side of the Labour political divide are not sensitive about nuclear weapons at all, but but we are. But the um, the okay, not new. Well, I don't know. Whatever you say. My my point was, I thought that the Joe Cox thing was very uncovered. On the, if you looked at the front pages of uh, various newspapers, no surprises. Which they they all found other areas to discuss 
Whereas if you looked at similar newspapers, you would see the hanging dolls and a terrible thing about the state of political debate emphasising the anti-Tory rather than the um, anti-Remain aspect. You need to let Tories know in the same way that in the 1930s in Germany people needed to let the Nazis know that the things they say and the things they do are not acceptable. So there are better and worse ways of doing that. But I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to criticize disabled campaigners, for example. There was a video of uh, people throwing plastic balls at Boris Johnson. Now it turned out to be from an old conference, but it was oh look, this is dreadful. This is dreadful. But it was disabled campaigners who have had their benefits and their needs cut. I'm not going to deny them the opportunity to be bloody angry at these people and I'm not going to say that their anger isn't valid because it somehow isn't civil the annoying thing about the Tories when they say and do these things is not that they say them because they're angry and they can't control themselves and they've lost civility because they're so heated they say them because they like saying them they like being shits yeah it was the hypocrisy that bothered me I mean Generally, I quite like a, a slightly uncivil tone to politics. That's sort of the way we play it. And I wouldn't want too much political correctness getting involved. But at the same time, I, you know, I was cross about the Joe Cox remark just because it was so dumb. Well, it was dumb, stupid, deliberately antagonistic. Um, that's what he wants. He want, The man wants chaos. Corbyn did stand up and give a speech talking about how he should... Ha- uh, not how he, sorry. How people of his age should be given the right to retire. <laughs> well, I mean, if you could Arguably bring it... Arguably, it's for- a coded message. Bring it forward to um, to my time. I'd be quite happy with that, oh, too. Yeah. I think we all would. I think that's why I... Um, you know, it's why I have some sympathy with the idea of uh, the at least the theory behind universal credit was that people would be, you know, encouraged to work. Because, to be honest, if I wasn't encouraged to do anything, I'd be very, very happy not to. <laughs> but Jeremy is going to have to work, isn't he? Because right at this very moment, I have to ask you this question, Adam. And the question is, does the option of a Boris Johnson government still exist? Obviously, technically, there's one going on at the moment, but he's lost, what, eight eight of eight or seven of seven? His uh, vote's in the House. He doesn't seem to command a huge amount of respect amongst his own, you know, amongst the long-term members of his own party who are obviously already positioning themselves if he uh, crashes out. Um, He's tied himself to a policy which is potentially illegal so Johnson's continuation I think leading a government depends upon either his illegally getting Brexit his getting a deal which looks pretty unlikely based on what we're seeing of the diplomacy at the moment um, or his successfully blaming someone else for having to follow the Ben Act. Now, obviously the Ben Act is called Ben and not Johnson, so he does have the beginnings of a case there, but can he sell that? 
do you think? I mean, he's got a lot of people willing to help him, right? I mean, the media. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The um, What he calls the Brussels Broadcast Corporation seems to employ one or two Brexit enthusiasts. There's, um, I was going to come on to this a little bit later, but there was um, the the idea that the Tories play this game on easy mode is phenomenal. But the um, British Patel yesterday gave a speech where she used what can only be described as a anti-Semitic dog whistle. The um, the idea that was it was a prevalent uh, Tory phrase during the the Miliband years, the idea of this North London elite. Isn't that where, like, you know, the Queen lives? I don't know, technically. That's all aristocracy. But the... The palace is north of the river. And uh, Robert Peston, who we've talked about before, decided and said, ooh, Pretty Patel's speechwriter there should not have used the word north. The idea that you... This means that Robert Peston uh, doesn't give equal treatment to the... Either doesn't give equal treatment to the Tories and the Labour Party or perhaps thinks that Labour politicians don't have speech writers so they do them themselves. I don't know what he thinks about that. The, um, well, in fairness, hasn't uh, a certain you know, speech writer slash key advisor recently had to quit the Labour Party because, well... You know, it's going crazy. Mm, he's still there. The um, so the well, he got his opinions out, didn't he? Well, we all have problems in the workplace sometimes, and I trust the Labour Party more than the Conservative Party not to resort to fisticuffs to, to sort that out. But it's so anyway. So very on message. The um, the idea that uh, so the, this is such a and it is such an easy mode. For, for the Tories, they can do anything, and the, the I think the idea is that things are ascribed to the, to them as if they have done them deliberately and cleverly. So, um, some will go, oh, the the searches for Boris Johnson model are all about this uh, Jennifer Acuri uh, person. So, Boris Johnson describes himself as a model of propriety, and suddenly all the Google results are about that, forgetting that he. This is just how. Google works. This is not a deliberate policy. And he said, five minutes ago, he was really clever for saying he made models of buses because that had the work that had buses in it, and that was was higher than the idea that you know he'd built some buses that were shit. I mean, the idea. He, I think he mentioned the buses again in his speech today. Uh, I think there was a note to that effect at the bottom of the screen on uh, the brief bit of after speech BBC coverage I was watching while Liz Truss was trying desperately to suggest that Boris Johnson wasn't a knobhead. At the same time, uh, it reminded me that I saw one of the uh, very pretty new Routemaster buses. Um, I thought you were going to say a member of the cabinet then. Uh, no, no, parked up the road. There's a service depot in, in Leighton uh, with its front smashed in. And isn't the company that makes those one of the victims of Brexit in, yes. in Northern Ireland. I've heard so that. So presumably Boris can use some of his skills to come out and maybe fix it up himself. But he, he maybe he should go to, you know, retire to a wanking shed like David Cameron and fiddle and, you know, do some whittling. I mean, the, the I think there's certainly, as I mentioned before, the, they may be in government, but they seem to be capable of doing very little governing of any kind, whether or not... In the same way that 
well, you know, I, I think as remember that we are, you know, that parliamentary supremacy um, has been recently reconfirmed by our actually very rational constitutional arrangements. There is a government because there is an executive and we have one, but they've forgotten that they're not really, you know, they're not the authoritarian. They do not have the support of parliament. They've gone out of their way to reduce their own support in parliament. And so can they continue to govern? No. They're sort of right in that they're not being allowed not to by the opposition, but that's the system, you know? Well, that's and that it. happens in other countries. It's just they don't know what to do with it. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the idea that the Theresa May government was worse than the David Cameron one is interesting, but at the, the very least, the Theresa May government managed to get very little done. They managed to make very few things much, much worse, other than the fact that they were getting steadily worse anyway because of policies already instigated and ministerial decisions and stuff. But the the idea that um, that yeah, it's as you say, it's perfectly valid for a good, good, strong opposition such as the one led by Jeremy Corbyn at the moment to prevent a bad government doing things is good. But it's it's a weak form of government, isn't it? It's the only way in which I uh, sort of agree with um, the the uh, the Coxes of uh, the Attorney Generals of this world and the. Boris Johnson, it's, a, it's not a lame parliament. Parliament is strong, but it's a lame dunk administration. It's a lame dunk government. Having a new session of parliament doesn't change it. Having a new parliament does. A new, a new parliament, as in, the, yeah, the result of an election. But, of course, that, you know, there is a very good chance, how, how, whatever you say, of that being a majority Conservative government. <laughs> we have to be willing to take that chance. Although we we just weren't just a few weeks ago, well, because in what I, you know, I genuinely respect Corbyn, presumably under some guidance, taking that the view that if the thing we're trying to event is the No Deal catastrophe, and the fact that we definitely can't trust Boris Johnson, as so many people at the Tory conference have been saying on on tape, then it's right to hold that election up. If no, I mean, if No Deal really is as bad as predicted and enough people have been saying it's not just people it's not just in the same way before um before the actual referendum the people who were saying you know brexit would be really bad were mainly arseholes the the karen brady's the richard branson's the david cameron's of this world because the you know because it, it because at that point people weren't talking of Brexit in the same terms, if you see what I mean. So the yeah, I, I, or those, those who were, were, you know, were certainly not getting the right attention. I think it's because it's a d- depressing, difficult, small-c, conservative argument, is that as long as the country continues to be, um, you know, a liberal democracy um, working in the same universe, then it is important to have an economic environment where private companies and various other things, produce things, do stuff, have an economy which is taxed, which is used to fund other things and other services. And as soon as you start doing something which will severely fuck that up and stop you know, the generation of income, then, then you don't have to get the credit cards out 
as a country. And, you know, as soon as you start overusing your cards, your rating goes down and your credit, uh, sorry, the interest rates go up. It's very, you know, what happens to the country is bigger and slower, but it's essentially the same thing as if you go mental in the Apple store and end up with a massive credit card, you know. Well, it's not really and true. I think that the idea at the moment is that you can act, the, you actually get paid to borrow money <laughs> over the short term on the, the the bond markets at the moment. So the the idea that um, the labour one of the one of the not great actually policies that, or mishandled uh, policies at the Labour Party conference was the idea that we'd uh, provide interest free loans to buy electric cars. Now I know you quite like them. I but- want one of them. But great, okay, well, great, vote Labour then. But the idea, uh, we can't I, be you probably promoting... probably like my credit score. We can't be promoting um, private car ownership, not even in the short term. We have to be spending all our transport um, but, and making public transport uh, good, cheap or free, um, you know, and environmentally friendly. And that's... so. But the idea that someone goes, oh, no, it's going to cost so much money. No, it isn't. In fact, the... On the sort of car loan term that you might go, the, the, the government would actually make money, even if it took all of that money from the international markets. We would be paid to do it. Now, it's just, um, yeah, so the, the, uh, there's, a, there's a, the idea of a... The Boris Johnson government may still exist, but it's, um, it's not viable. It's broken. Yeah, it, it is broken, and it can't survive... Um, unless it can convince enough angry white men. It, it has to take the extension and it has to blame somebody else for it. And that's, that's you know, it, it, see, that I think is what they're warming up to. I think that's, all, that's, what, they've, that's what they've wanted because there's nothing if not the Tory position is to blame something else for something. And that brings me... And it works. That, well, it does work. And that brings me to my final question. Now, you may have seen, um, I mentioned earlier, uh, Priti Patel's speech to the Tory party conference, or may have read about it. I've never seen such an amount of vitriol poured on the content of um, a political speech in, in many, many years. But it was quite obvious that it was playing to a Tory base, and it was, wasn't outside the narrative that um, the Tories want. She's there in position because that's what the Tories want and that's what the Tories want to project to people. The, uh, the, uh, a, not just a uh, compare and contrast this with where the Labour base voted possibly not quite with what the leadership thinks is politically expedient to, you know, for free movement at the Labour conference to a Tory conference where the applause that's meant to excite those sleeping people in the in the seats there is the idea of ending free movement with a smile. So she doesn't seem clever, but she keeps winning and failing upwards. Is Priti Patel clever or stupid? She is personally clever and socially stupid. She is um, taking advantage of every opportunity that's been available to her and has got herself into a position of power and got a great deal of attention. And by, you know, I hate to say it, but largely betraying people who are seeking those similar advantages, she is just riding on 
the scumbags and the racists and the anti-immigration people who conflate those two and i find that fairly unforgivable even by tory terms it's revolting isn't it although um she's quite popular with my father-in-law who thinks she's very attractive she is very pretty that's for sure you know she's that's not not in dispute she's a is she, is she a problematic bay for you there uh Ad? a problematic what sorry a problematic bay as in um, someone that you shouldn't fancy, but you do. Ah, I don't know the term bay. Oh, B-A-E. I, didn't, I knew I was educating you on politics on this podcast, Adam. I didn't know I was educating you on culture and language. I thought you knew all the words. It's, I mean, it's... British aerospace? <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> if I had to, actually, if I had to say, of all the years I've known Adam Juniper, if I had to... Worry what he thought BAE was. Um, I would have said that you probably did think it was British aerospace. Is it? Is it not? It just means it just means someone that you fancy, essentially. I, I, no, I think she's more like um, how, do, how do you put it? Mathematically attractive. You know, like they might design a robot for that group, but like somehow you can also tell that she's too cold and evil. That's robots for you. I, I, I like, you know, I like a bit of humanity. She's in the, she's the, unca- the uncanny valley of um, Tory politicians. Yes, yes, she really is. Isn't she? But the, there is a, I mean, there's a raft of, um, of, of front bench Tories now that you just think. And I, 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 to be honest, I don't think Bridget Patel is clever. I don't think she knows what's going on. Um, and I think this goes for a lot of them. I don't think Dominic Raab knows what's going on. I don't really think Jacob Rees-Mogg knows what's going on. I don't. I have a horrible feeling that I, people I, like, like do, whoever is in control of it all, um, you know, Boris, Dom, Dominic, or whoever, um, or the people who give them their money. I'm just saying they don't really like to give too many of their ideas to Sajit and uh, Pretty because, um, you know. Well, you could you'd be surprised if. I would be very surprised if people in high office in the Conservative Party don't say some very objectionable things behind the backs of their Chancellor and Home Secretary. Oh, yeah, no, I'm confident that, um, yeah, having met... Certainly the activists will view them as a necessary evil. Well, they are evil, but they're not necessary. But, I mean, the activists like evil. I mean, they will... Yeah, all right. A necessary good. <laughs> well, the, it's just, the, but I think this goes for. Um, I don't. I think. I wonder if this is conspiracy theory nonsense, probably. But if you look at the front bench, it's not a front bench of all the brain cells, is it? Um, McVeigh, Ra, Barclay. No, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't really want that, would you? If you were trying to let Dominic Cummings run the country. You'd want as many dum dums as possible. It's a, it's a collection of the um, the the sort of fat people's suit section of Marks and Spencers. Just a rail of these suits pushed into fucking Downing Street twice a week to nod. I guess they weren't expecting them to be around this long. They were they were expecting to have an election and maybe rearrange things afterwards. Well, bringing it back to Boris Johnson's speech, I was reminded of a thing that happened to me at school. We were given some homework, and I can't really remember what the homework was, but there was some reason I had some real visceral objection to doing this particular piece of homework, not homework in general. So 
what I decided to do was answer... Was it really difficult? Well, it may have been. But, or not. but I answered a different question, a question that I'd made up. Basically, just to um, uh, say, look, I spent an hour or whatever doing my homework. I'm not shirking. I just didn't do this thing. And what I essentially... We were talking about political speeches, I think, and I can't remember what we had to what I had to do. But I actually wrote a a sort of political speech in the guise of myself as a political candidate for some for the high office, and you know I'd cribbed lots of uh, ideas probably from an episode of Yes Minister or something. But I remember in the the margin uh, from the English teacher, they hadn't quite got because I hadn't set it up. Uh, as to as to why I was giving this speech or anything, uh, so I didn't quite understand the fact that in the the character that was giving the speech was a um, you know someone who could actually do things and could change things. Right, right in the margin, how but how would you do this? So they they thought that you were presenting yourself as a um, as, as a potential leader of the future. But I've got, this is certainly something that um, I was told in no uncertain terms at school that that was not my future career path. But the um, Nick Timothy, on the other hand, but the but the uh, yeah, but the, it does feel like someone ought to be doing this for these fucking Tories, taking their speeches and just writing, "This is shit. This is not possible." This is a lie. This is nonsense. There was um, uh, a, a, apparently the estimate they speech suggested that British architects are better than the rest of the world because they use computers. Well, uh, they don't have computers in abroad. I've got no idea because I, I, I'm not going to name specific countries because they don't. <laughs> when... They're just quotes foreign. Close quote. I don't know. The, it's depressing. The, the, this is the, this is the thing where we definitely and as I said before, the idea that we ever say that the Tory party conference is a thing worth closing down Parliament for ever again you go no we're not doing it because you don't make policy you can quite easily just have it somewhere in London because you don't want to go to Manchester anyway do you you people just have it round the corner have it in the QE2 centre or something so you can nip across from the Parliament speak to a bunch of people who are asleep I was going to say that that's part of the new tradition, is it, of going to places where there are some constituencies that potentially might change hands. Like they've done, the, the ICC suddenly started getting used a lot, and that's Birmingham, for um, political events as well, didn't it, a few years back. It always used to be Brighton, Blackpool and um, Bournemouth. Just every, so many people have told the Tories to get in the sea, they're frightened of going near it. <laughs> and um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, this is uh, That Option No Longer Exists, a, a podcast where we have a scuffle in the Isle of Labour's Broadchurch and discuss the political goings-on. When you're not listening to us, you can visit our website, thatoption.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter, at uh, thatoptionpod, or search for us on Facebook, That option no longer exists and you'll find things like the worst Tory ever Twitter World Cup which is going on now. You could even email us hello at thatoption.co.uk and tell us why we're wrong. I mean we know we're wrong everybody's wrong but uh, we like to know why and um, yeah, show, show your work show, yeah, show which, you. which John didn't do in his home. <laughs> That's it and um, just tell us why Prince Patel is 
clever or stupid. Tell us who we should, uh, which is a particular minor Labour politician you want us to, um, to, to talk about, and Adam can look up on Wikipedia. Uh, we can, we can do that <laughs> next time. And don't forget that we'll always give you a, a very good grounding on exactly where in space and time we are recording these things because let's be honest and, and john john will also help teach me a word from the internet that i didn't know <laughs> uh tune in uh, because uh, everything in politics will have changed not only by the time you hear this by the time i finish editing it. uh but by next week thank you adam again my good comrade for being with me uh, thank you and goodbye